You listen to 247 Real Talk. This is your host, Julian Perry. And once again, I'm bringing you another episode of In the News because there's just so much to talk about. I'll be right back. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to another episode of the 247 Real Talk Podcast. It is Wednesday, November 3rd, about 11.30 p.m. here in New York. And um, I actually was going to schedule a guest for this episode. No, no one canceled. No one rescheduled. I just uh, flipped things around a bit because I've been hearing a lot from my uh, supporters, a lot from my listeners, and... um, while, while they do like the guests to come on, I think they also like the conversations about, you know, currently what's in the news. <clears throat> Excuse me while I clear my throat. I, I've actually been dealing with a, a cough for, oof, might be five weeks now. Um, not a cold, but the cough just won't go away. I've taken different, different medications, including prescriptions, but... Uh, I have had my COVID test too, and that's all negative. So I guess uh, I'll just have to wait this out. Anyway, um, the two main topics I'm going to discuss in this quick episode, and I always say quick, and I guess it's relatively quick, I guess. Um, we're going to go back again and touch the, the Rush movie set, Alec Baldwin issue for a moment. And then we're going to move on to what's bubbling right now, and that is the uh, elections that occurred yesterday across the country and <clears throat> kind of what they say and sort of tie it into to at least my thoughts, and then you can do what you usually do by your WhatsApp or your text or your emails and let me know what you think. So the reason I'm going back to the rush issue with Alec Baldwin is because I think the reason that there haven't been any charges brought yet is because it's a complicated issue to a certain extent. And I'm not, you know, I'm not a lawyer, so I, I certainly can't speak from that, you know, the depth of a legal perspective. But what's bothering me is how this has become a partisan issue too. You know, if you listen to me enough, you understand that, you know, there are things I like about independence. There's things I like about libertarian. There's things I like about Republican. There's things I like about Democrat. You know, I wish I didn't have to align with any party. But, and, and, and you know, at the end of the day, this is real talk. And we must be, speak the truth, you know, whether our conscience tries to suppress it or not. I've listened and, and read stories all over. There's one reporter I keep following her only because... I should probably stop because I think she angers me when she goes from being uh, an objective reporter to a partisan reporter. Every time Alec Baldwin has spoken, he came out and he spoke. Uh, some I think the paparazzi were following him and he said a few words. And there's this base that jumps and criticizes him. And it becomes, it's very obvious that you know, this is the same base that jumps on anyone who... Um, doesn't align with 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 the, the party or, or not you know doesn't align with uh, being a conservative but my point is 
they they are looking for blood from the man. Now here the here are the facts that I understand it uh, a few more you know as of this week. <clears throat> I heard something said that he is also a director on the show. Uh, you know on, on the movie he's also a direct one of the directors which I guess um if we're dealing with a civil suit um you know the 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 rules are a little different there the laws are a little different and there might be some culpability there but in his role that day when this really tra- sad tragedy happened he was in the role of an actor and there's someone on the on the crew that has the responsibility of taking care of the weapons of making sure the prop guns are ready to go of making sure what's loading in them or making sure that they're safe and whether it be Alec Baldwin or, or Joe Schmo, when you hand it off to the actor for him to carry out his scene, you know, I think it is unfair for anyone to expect the actor also to, number one, automatically check the safety of the weapon, number two, to even have that knowledge. Now, I see a lot of comments online from so-called gun enthusiasts or experts or whatever. I'm going to lay this out there now. I happen to be very well versed in firearms. I'm a, a firearm instructor. I'm a range safety officer. I understand all these things. So, I, you know, people can go away from me with that perspective about gun safety because I'm not, um, I'm not arguing that point. But I'm saying that in the logical sense of things, it's like uh, telling. Um, an actor, in your next scene, you're supposed to walk up to this, in the kitchen, you're supposed to walk up to the sink and turn the faucet on full blast. And in the prop setting up for the scene, you've kind of said to your, um, your person responsible for the props, um, you know, we have a, we, we, we tap this water from some hydrant and there's a ton of pressure here. So make sure that you check the pressure. Your job is to make sure you check the pressure so that, you know, when we do this scene, we don't have a situation where, um, you know, the pressure blows and the sink blows up or whatever hurts someone. You know, I mean, I'm just making this up. My point is, you're not going to expect the actor now to go check the sink to make sure the pressure, you know, that's not going to happen. I know that's a far off analogy, but that's exactly my point. If, if you go to range, when I, when I've, uh, helped people, when I've, uh, you know, help people to learn to shoot. You teach them the basics about pointing the gun downrange and all that when you're at the range. But you also recognize that when, that, 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 that I, I always recognize that I take all the safety precautions for the person I'm teaching, especially when they're brand new, because I also understand they know nothing about a weapon. And so, you know, as I said, from a civil perspective where you want to say, well, if he's wanted to direct it in the film and they sue the whole, you know, the, the film itself and, the, and the, the directors or whatever, then he's part of that. But being criminally responsible, I don't think it's on him. There are also stories to that, and I don't know how true this is, so again, I say stories, quote unquote, that crew members took the same guns out for target practice. Well... That, that's worth looking into because if you're going to take a prop gun that's made for a movie and take it out and put live rounds in it, you're, you're 
automatically creating a dangerous situation. And <clears throat> no excuses can be made because if that's the fact, look at what happened. Then there's the person who is supposed to check the weapons to make sure that they're good to go. I think it was a, uh, a lady, I'm not sure, but I heard something on the news where she said that she kept telling the directors that she needs more time to make the weapons safe. And they told her, we don't have time, we have to go. She said she kept asking for more time and they refused to give it to her. Well, I don't know what that's, you know, what that relates to. Is it, were there a hundred weapons that she had to make safe? Because if you're an expert in that field, you can make a weapon safe in seconds. If you know what you're doing, you can make a weapon safe in seconds. So unless she had to make a hundred weapons safe at that time, um, I'm not sure what the validity is of that argument. Again, I'm not, you know, I'm not the one who's deciding this. I'm just saying, let's be human about this. Let's be fear about this. Someone lost their life. I think the, the, the projectile went through the woman that the camera woman that was killed and went in, into the guy behind her. So that's pretty close range. Um, somebody's lost a family member. This is a very hurtful and sad situation. Let's not put layers on it by making it a political situation, a partisan situation, a, a judgmental situation. There are laws for a reason. And I think if you, if you, I'm not asking someone to, to, to give anyone a pass. I'm just saying in, in the, in the realm of logic here, even if you disagree with me, you know, send me a message and, you know, send me a polite message and we can discuss this. But in the, in the larger picture, I think if, if I'm responsible for making sure that your car is safe for you to drive and I don't make it safe and you drive it and you crash and you die, it's my fault. It wasn't your fault to go check the car a second time to make sure it's safe because you wouldn't even know what you were looking for. So I hope that this turns out the way, or you know, uh, follows a way of, of in, in a legal way and not a political way, <clears throat> and you know, it's not a witch hunt on anyone, uh, irrespective of whether you feel that you know how you feel about uh, Mr. Baldwin and and you know, and I say this so so because as we all know, <clears throat> um, he was on SNL making fun every you know every show, of, uh, you know, making fun of a former president. And everyone's looking for payback, you know. I mean, it's amazing how many people just target someone politically and just crush and ruin their careers or, you know, uh, just because, you know, they don't fall in line with, with what they want. I don't think that's the world we need to, you know, we need to continue to pursue and try to live in. It's, it's just wrong. So anyway, <clears throat> let's move on to the other juicy topic, and that is elections. So, I just saw before I started this episode that it seems that the governor of New Jersey won a second term, Democratic governor, which is somewhat um, rare in New Jersey. Usually, they flip-flop every election, um, very thin margin, and I think they said last I heard it was like by 24,000 votes, but... Um, that was a gap that widened from 16,000 early in the day. And the outstanding votes <clears throat> that they're waiting to count were are coming from heavily Democratic areas. 
Again, before I continue, please forgive me if I'm clearing my throat, but it's been a struggle with this cough, and I'm actually trying not to cough as opposed to, you know, so I prefer to clear my throat. Um, but, and then there was Virginia, right? Was it, yes, where they flipped um, from Democrat to Republican, and that seems to be the trend in Virginia as well. But I think the bigger issue, and of course, New York went Democratic, which is just the way it is, and heavily so in the, in the mayor race. <clears throat> and we can talk about that a little bit too. But the first thing I want to bring to attention here is something that I've been talking about in several episodes back to back. And that is that my personal feeling, no matter how much the Democrats tried to spin this, is that the popularity that took Biden into office, and I think, I could be wrong, but I think when, what did they say, when elections were held yesterday, it was his 297th day in office or something like that. And I think his popularity is tanking. <clears throat> Excuse me. Now, this bill that they're currently working on, you know, doing things for families, child care tax, and um, all the things they're trying. I think I just read, if I can find it on my phone here, I'm not sure I can, but I think they said uh, they're trying to add or they just added additional things to the bill. I think that's all in an effort, you know, to try to um, stem the, 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 the tide that's going away from them. Yeah, it says House Democrats add paid leave, state and local tax deduction to bill. But I think the issue here is we, 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 we're, 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 it's a polarized country. It's a polarized atmosphere. And I think that people are very much less forgiving. They're very unforgiving, you know, in, in, in these days. And, you know, I keep harping on it because it's something that affects me personally. And then when I brought it up in my podcast, so many other people reached out to me. And, you know, and, and, and so I'll mention it. I won't make the podcast about it or this segment about it, but you've got to keep your promises, Mr. President. People who see hope in the American dream really held on to the promises he made. And one of them, again, and I'm going to ask you to share this and just keep sharing it and is his promises about student loans and reducing student loans. On this podcast, I've mentioned that I, um, Larry Sharp, the uh, um, libertarian candidate I spoke with, brought a good suggestion up, but he said, you know what, forgive 50% of the, the, the student loans and have people, allow people to renegotiate the other 50%. But I think it, it would be, what was a really important point, and I'll, I'll skip over all the other parts to say that I think what, was really important to me was when he said, you know what, let the universities, the college, let them hold the note. So basically how it will work is when you graduate with that degree, maybe they need to build in, I'll keep repeating this, build in job placement offices or whatever, and they have to show successful placement at least once in a job that, you know, that, that matches a salary that, sort of matches the level of degree and the cost of it. If you put that ownership on the universities, 
then they become part of the solution of, of, of matching people with jobs and allowing people the ability to pay their student loans back. Then and only then should the government, federal government, release the guaranteed student loan money to the university. Because again, it is, it is, it, you know, so many people I know, so many people I know have bachelor's and two master's degrees and I know someone with a PhD. And if you understand the loans these people have because they, they had two things. They had a dream of being qualified to a certain level and, and attached to that dream, was the, that dream was the ability for them to get to a certain earning potential by making that sacrifice of studying for that long to get to that level. Only to find out that when they finally get that piece of paper, you know, they might as well tear it up and throw it in the garbage because it means nothing. Because, the, the, you know, there's no backing from the university. There's no, there's no value to it that, that's equal earning, not only earning potential, but sort of almost guaranteed earning potential. Barring bad personal practices, you know, mean getting fired because you're late or whatever, that's, that's on you. But we have a system that's on fear. And so people reach for the stars. You, you, you encourage people. You listen to candidates, presidential candidates speak, and they encourage people to keep reaching for the American dream. And so you reach for the American dream, and you go out there and you get a master's, and, you, and you're, you're, you're a real academic type of person, and you feel that you can make a difference, and you, you want to reach for the stars. So you go out there, maybe you get a second one, maybe in a different field, maybe something that's an um, addition to what you have. And then when you're done and you got $200,000, $250,000 in student loans, you're walking around, you know, scraping the bottom of the barrel in a job making $70,000 a year under an abusive boss in the most unhappy environment. And no matter how many applications you put out there, you can't find a job. <clears throat> this is true in so many instances. I know people in the medical, in the medical field they're not healthcare workers in the sense that they're not clinical. They're administrative. They're brilliant. They can help take the medical system we have and the management of it and make it better for the people who depend on it. They can't find a job. They're working for $20-something an hour somewhere else part-time because they can't find a job. And I'm not talking about can't find and say, well, you know, oh, I applied a few places. I'm talking about people who put in well over 100 applications to some of the major hospitals around and, and nothing happens. It's either an internal club in some of the in hospitals where, you know, they give it to their friends and families and these jobs and, you know, and, 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 and or they, they hire people and then send them to school for the, for the credentials that they need for the job. But, you know, the person who already has it doesn't get it because they're not part of that clique. Uh, there's also no placement help from the university when you get your, again, your, your, your degree. And so there's, there's, you know, I don't know. At, at first, when I started talking to people years ago about young people, about going to college. And they would say, nah, I don't know if I want to go to college. And I would sort of take every ounce of my a, a persuasion ability to convince them to go. And I convinced quite a few people. But now I've got no argument. You've got a guy out there with a high school diploma or, or maybe an associate in the, you know, applied AAS degree. So they spent maybe $20,000 in student loans. They can afford to pay it back. 
and I know situations like this. This is not uh, me making stuff up. Someone like that who is the head of a, of, of, of a major business making uh, 200-something thousand dollars a year, almost quarter million dollars a year, overseeing all these employees who have masters and, 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 and double masters and triple masters or whatever, and they can't get to the, that, that person's level. Now, don't get me wrong. There is something to be said about inherent ability to lead. If you're just that good, you're that good, and, and you should get a break too. But my point again is the person who spent the effort, the discipline, the time, the sacrifice to be able to, to educate themselves to a point where they can rise to that level can't. And the person who barely went past high school, you know, the next level, an associate degree, is their boss. Again, nothing wrong with that uh, in, in, in a here and there one-off situation. And I give all credit and props to the person who has the associates who is able to um, get to that level because obviously they have a, you know, there's not obviously, but in many cases, a person with uh, an, an associate degree who gets to the top of an organization, I would like to think that they have an amazing work ethic and they're that brilliant. And so they were able to do, you know, to, 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 to make it to the top, not having to go any further in education, not having to um, pay student loans to that level, not having to spend all that time in college. And, you know, the rest of it is, is history now because they've built a career that their resume speaks for itself. So for that reason, you know, it's, it, is, it, is, it, is, it makes sense that you have someone who, you know, is, is just like someone who comes out of high school and doesn't go to college and becomes a billionaire because they're brilliant. They're good at what they do. But that is not the norm. That is not the, you know, the, 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 how many, I thought it was 11 million or it's, it's a huge number of people in the United States who have done the conventional thing, who have gone and gotten educated and gotten their degrees and are looking for a chance to shine and they simply butt up against wall after wall after wall and, 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 and there's no help and they're on their own and then you come and say, hey, I want my money. You didn't say to the university, hey, how come this guy can't get hired? How come your degree that has your university and it carries no weight? How come you have no relationship? How come you do nothing for this person but charge them a heck of a lot of money? You get paid from the federal government, so you run off, you know, they get paid every semester, whatever. They run off into, into, into wealthy land. And, and you don't look back to say, you know what, this degree this guy's getting from me, what's it worth? Can I make sure they get placed? Can I make sure they can pay their student loans? No. That's why you have so many universities out there that end that where the where the students go to court and they sue the universities. That's why you have these fly by night universities. And let's talk about the fly by nights for a second because those fly by nights are like um what do I say like um spam callers or or, or 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 car salesmen or whatever. You know, they give you this ray of hope. So if someone says, you know, I wanna have a I wanna get a bachelor's <clears throat> and they maybe don't have it quite what's necessary to get into the Ivy League or whatever. So they keep trying, and eventually they get uh, accepted to the John Doe University of, of, of anywhere and everything. 
and that university prop you know promises them a bachelor's. Nobody's checking the curriculum to see you know what level it is, so they 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 you know they essentially meet a certain accreditation standard and they get their degree, but nobody knows what John Doe University of anything and everything is. So when you come out with that degree and they charged you maybe less than the Ivy League, but they still charged you $80,000 for that bachelor's or whatever. And then now you have this degree and you're smiling and you take a picture and you put it on LinkedIn and you pick your picture and you put it on Facebook and Instagram and Twitter and everywhere, every other social media place is showing how proud you are of your accomplishment. And you know what? It is an accomplishment because no matter what your 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 level of intellectual level of capable capabilities are, you did your best to get there. And that is the only glamorous and joyful moment. Because after that comes reality. You walk out with your bachelor's from John Doe University of anything and everything, and then you still find yourself saying, and, I, and forgive me for saying this for those who are offended, but do you want fries with that? Or do you want a Coke with those fries? Or fries with that Coke? Or fries with that burger? Or whatever. Because you go to the market and you, you're applying and you're applying and you're applying and either not getting anything or what they're offering you is, is garbage. And so now you're making minimum wage and someone comes knocking at your door in the form, you know, the postman drops that letter in the box that says your student loans will be due in six months. Six months later, you're depressed, you're struggling, you're still trying to find. Now you've got to take, you're barely pay, able to pay rent. You're working maybe two jobs. Now you've got to pay back the federal government. And the federal government that you depend on did nothing to check to see, to hold the universities accountable for the piece of paper that they give you. So, you know, I went into that whole spiel because it's a big part for me, but it, it just, it's just one thing that's representative of, of, of why the, the, the popularity of not just this president, but the whole, the, the Democrats period, it, it, it's waning. And so they're trying to put up a, a good front now saying, you know, well, midterms are going to be different. I don't think so. At the end of the day, you know, they've been beaten to the punch. I mean, if you think about it for a second, the student loan moratorium that came from COVID, whether it be an opportunistic moment or not, came from the Republican president. So this Democratic president can't, can't you know, claim that fame. He can only improve on it. He could be, the, he could be historical. He could wipe out student loans, like I said, wipe out all the student loans, and for those who have already paid their student loans, give them a tax credit for, you know, in, in relation to the amount of student loans they paid for X amount of years. Work out the algorithm. But can you imagine what that would mean to the lives of people? And, and, and think about it. When you think about what President Obama did, and again, I'm a fan of what different parts of different ideologies. So <clears throat> I'm not a fan of any president, really. I'll be honest with you. I'm, I'm, I'm a fan of some things that each president does. Like it or hate it, that's where I am. But he took on healthcare, universal healthcare, something that so many presidents either wanted to do, attempted to do, or whatever, or didn't have the courage to do. 
he knew he would take tremendous blowback, which is still coming now years after he's been out of office. But the point is, he took a bold step. Something that he felt strongly about that would change the lives of American people. Come January 31st, 2022, the moratorium ends on student loans. And lives will be devastated because you know what happens there. People default, their checks get garnished, they can't pay their mortgage, they can't pay their rent. It is a ripple effect. And understand something, look at the rest of what's a society. You understand? <clears throat> Take this in the context of what's going on right now. Have you seen the gasoline prices? I think the other day I paid like three fifty-seven a gallon for regular. Have you seen the prices of almost every single piece of material in the hardware store? Have you seen the prices, the cost of food? So nobody's making more. Well, not nobody, but the mass you know, part of your population is not making more money in COVID. And now when they're coming out of COVID, you're about to hit them with another bill that they couldn't afford before they went into COVID. And every single thing is more expensive and it's not just going to drop and become cheaper overnight. For many reasons. You know, they're blaming the supply chain and all these sorts of things. But if you fix all those issues, the way I understand business has always been is when a, when a business sees that a customer is, is willing and to pay a higher price for their products, even if things change in the economy, they very rarely go back to the way they were before. So I think to a certain extent, these higher prices are here to stay. We turn to government to help the people out. We turn to government to make a difference in lives. And here we are at a crossroads, at a defining moment in history to the extent that I think, and I'm saying that because this is a slippery slope for this president and for the Democratic Party. They have got to give the people enough to show that they care enough. They have got to do the right thing to the people. They've got to keep their promises. They've got to stop uh, 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 procrastinating. They've got to learn to stand their own two feet and be strong in, in conviction. And I'm saying this for any politician, but they need this is this is who is in power right now. As we know, this thing shifts back and forth. You know, Republican, Democrat, Republican, Democrat. Yeah, you know, whether it's two terms or one term, <clears throat> that's just the way we go. And we change from one president to the other because we are tired of one thing. And every time the the news interviews people, the voters, what do they say? <clears throat> oh, I voted differently because I want to change. But what do you want to change to? It's the same cycle of nonsense over and over again. Politicians making promises and not delivering because they're more concerned about their legacy in terms of themselves and how, how, how <clears throat> you know, free and clear they came out than possibly getting in the gutter and having well, taking more risk to be tarnished to do something so righteous for the people that in, in the end it may flip and it may, it may become their most powerful legacy.
And we, you know, when when you look at places like uh, like New York, heavily Democratic state, and what's going on right now in New York, and I'm I'm, I'm switching a little gears a little bit here because what came to mind too in this whole political situation is the vaccine mandates. We seemingly have a situation where FDNY, Fire Department of New York, people, you know, they're having over 2,000 people calling in sick every day, and it seems to be in protests for the vaccine mandates. And instead of, you know, New York City government getting together and figuring out how to, the number of things I think that they've done wrong are, are injustice to the people. One, forcing everyone back to work when remote work was working very well. It wasn't working well for everyone because there were some people that were losing money in businesses. The city itself was losing money in businesses because I think, you know, subway ridership is down and all of that and all the things that people spend money on from between their home and the office, those, those things were suffering to a certain extent. But that is the opportunity for change and growth. You know, when you, when you, when it, 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 it if I strip off all the, the niceties about it, you're basically saying, I'm going to weigh the fact that people were working remotely and their quality of life went way up. And I'm going to weigh the fact that people want to make more money in the city. The city needs to make more revenue. So to heck with the people who got good quality of life when they're remote. It's time to come back to work and go back to the way you were of struggling and the fact that you had a better way of life, I don't care about that. It was temporary as far as I'm concerned. It's not, it doesn't matter to me. That's the clear, blunt message these actions are, are, are saying. And I would implore any city, state, the federal government, you know, any city or state and the federal government that whenever there's an opportunity for someone to work remotely, even in a hybrid, I don't think people are... Or, um, excuse me again, I've got, as I said, I got a slight cold. I don't think that people are going crazy about it and saying, you know what, I need 100% remote because I was home in COVID. No. But the balance is such a beautiful thing. That means that some days I go into the office when I need to. So I still spend some money and revenue on, on my trip in the office and on, and on the subway or, or railroad or whatever I'm taking. There's the days I can work from home that still gives me some balance in my private, in my personal life, family life. And all of this can be done so that in this hybrid mode, you don't pack the office buildings full again and make us just as vulnerable to either the next variant of the COVID virus or the next pandemic that could be right around the corner. A hundred years between this pandemic and the next one doesn't mean it's a hundred years between the next one. Doesn't mean it's 50 years. It could be six months. We're going back into winter. We're going into the flu season. We're going into the season where these viruses seem to, to thrive. Productivity in most companies, or every company I've heard of, one of the things they touted was that productivity went way up when people were working remotely. We've already explored and beat to death why that is, but I can spend more hours at work working remotely and still have a better quality of life. Instead of waking up at 5 a.m. to make it to the office for 8, I can wake up at 7.15 or 7.30 and be at my computer at 8. And I can 
instead of having to leave at four o'clock to rush catch the train to go pick up I can and I said that real fast, but you know, you leave, you go, maybe you have to pick up your kids from daycare, or maybe you have to get home for whatever reason. But guess what? I'm already home, so maybe instead of, you know, when I've four o'clock hits and I'm in the, I'm in the middle of doing a, an important transaction for my job, I'll keep going for another half an hour, an hour, because guess what? I can still make it in time for my kids. I don't see how no one can see the value in that argument. And I'm not saying that the flip side doesn't have value too in terms of revenue and all that for the city where we have to survive. But two things I keep harping on over and over again. One, meet us in the middle. Show some, show some compassion. Show some care for people. And meet us in the middle at a point where we can both survive and both benefit from the change that this pandemic has forced upon us. At the same time, use the brilliance that you supposedly have because that's why we elected you to come up with solutions for the businesses and for revenue that do not have a 100% no or yes impact on the people who were benefited from working remotely. And then the other question is vaccine mandates. What I remember that was happening before the actual mandate was that people who did not want to get vaccinated had to be tested every week. And that seemed to be going along its own merry way until the full vaccine mandate came. And I understand the position of, 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 of local governments or state governments or whatever that say, look, we got to get people vaccinated. This is what we've been told by the CDC and FDA, whatever that works. And the fact is, we can't continue in a cycle where we keep reinfecting each other and all of that. I get that. Okay. But then the compromise you did to that was, okay, if you don't want to get vaccinated, then get tested every week to make sure that you're okay so we'll know if you're okay because I guess they've measured the incubation periods or whatever. And that seemed to be working. And I think in that mode, you showed individuals some level of respect for their, for them as a human being to make choices for their own bodies. And, and, and this is more important now because you're not giving them a vaccine that's been around for 10 years. And so you pretty much have it down packed, you know, what the percentages of charges, chances are for a side effect and what the side effects are. I took the COVID vaccine. I think I say this every episode because I had COVID and I was scared to death of getting it again because of the experience. But, and, and, and up to a certain point, I never questioned my decision, I think, till most recently. Someone said to me one time, they said, you had COVID, right? I said, yes. They said, well, you already have the antibodies, so why do you have to take the vaccination? And I, I had blood work done and the blood work um, kind of, Proved that to be correct. I think my doctor said to me, wow, I wish I had that, you know, that level of antibodies that you have. So, in my case, put aside the fact that I took the vaccine for a second. Why wouldn't I be able to say, you know what? I don't want to take the vaccine. I don't know. I have health issues. I have, you know, deep that I don't know if this is going to be a contraindication, you know, some years from now. And, and then, you know, 
somebody's going to only tell me sorry or they were acting in public interest or in the role of government, so there's nothing for me to do and they have, you know, they're not liable or culpable for anything. That's what's going to happen. Because if this, if, if for any reason it turns out that this thing has a long-term effect and you can't tell these things right away. Look at, look at 9-11. Look at the people who went down and worked to World Trade Center and were exposed to this. You look at, we are, that was September 11th. You know, we, we are, we are 20 years away or whatever. And people are, are now they're still feeling the effects and dying from it. People are still getting sick. So we can only hope and pray that this vaccine actually turns out the way we're hoping to. But what if it doesn't? There's no one, there's, there's, there's no one to, 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 Hold responsible. And anytime you try to do some kind of litigation, that thing, litigation goes on for years and years and years. By the time something comes out of it, most of the people who were, were affected are dead. And on top of that, me personally, I don't want any money. I want my life. I want the, the gift of life that God gave me that 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 should be taken when God decides it's over and not because man did something stupid and shoved it down my throat. And I can understand that perspective as well. Someone made the argument about, well, we have so many vaccines. You got polio, you got measles, you got uh, chicken pox, and people were fine. But there was even a doctor from the FDA, I think it was, who abstained in that vote, and he said the same thing. He says, those medications went through the normal testing process, the normal waiting period to see reactions of years, and then they have been in use for years. So the entire period from, 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 creating, from creation to, to now is decades it's got, it went, those vaccines went through the testing of five and seven years or whatever the case may be. They went through, you know, and that people having them, they know what their side effects are. They know what the, you know, what the contraindications are with other medications. They understand all this stuff because they went through a process that allowed time to give us the answers. Granted, you couldn't do that with, with a pandemic because people were dropping like flies. But I'm saying to you, you, you had millions of people who voluntarily took the, the, the vaccine. But those who chose not to, give them, the, give them an alternative so they have the right to make a decision for their own lives. If they don't take the vaccine and then they drop dead from COVID, they've got no one to blame. But to take away that, that right and then force this on them, especially when... You can't argue the fact that there's no one truly knows what the, the long-term effects of these vaccines are. Is 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 just wrong. And then in some cities, and I'm not going to call this, but in some cities, one of the the approaches used by by those local governments, when we got to a point recently where we wanted to force people into getting vaccines, was to monetarily reward those people who were going to go get the vaccine then. And, and I've got to mention this again. You've heard me mention it before if you listen to my previous episode, but I'm going to mention it again because what I'm saying is I went and got it voluntarily. And you said, oh, that's good. Thank you for being part of my solution. 
Someone says, hey, I'm not getting it. He said, look, you have to get it. The government says you have to get it. And then they say, you know what? If you, if you go and get it, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pay you. I'm going to give you 500 bucks or some places 100 bucks, whatever the case may be. And then from that incentive, people who are struggling financially, whatever, you know, people who just say, you know, it's 500 bucks or 100 bucks or whatever, I'm going to go take it. But these are people who were defying you. You did nothing for the people when you called upon your, your employees and your people to help you be part of a solution. Those who readily volunteered to follow you into the, that path should be the ones that you're rewarding. Not the ones who defied you to the bitter end and then you bribed them to get over the finish line. So I can't wait to see what's going to happen next. We've got a lot of changes in, I think it was in Boston. We've got a new young uh, female um, um, colored, uh, I think, mayor. There's a lot of different positions around, I think, Chicago. There's a lot of positions around the country where um, we have new blood and new, you know, whether we're Republican or Democrat is not important, but we have people, hopefully, who, um, and I see a lot of young faces, and that gives me hope because maybe they're Generation Z, and maybe, you know, they they they're getting closer to that that um, that goal, that 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 you know, that prize or that uh, that uh, that um, that pinnacle we want to reach of of being colorblind, and about understanding, you know, for the people, by the people. Every time, I, as I said, I schedule a podcast. I've got a few guests lined up in the coming weeks that I'm going to talk about things other than this current news. But I end up doing these episodes because I don't think this is these are issues we can talk about one time and just walk away. I'm going to keep pressing them. And I'm asking all of you not just to listen to the episodes, but to share it. And, I, and, you know, I do this, like I said, not for money, but I do this in the hope that I change people's lives, that I empower people, that I allow people to feel that they're not alone, that I allow people to uh, uh, to meet some of my guests who offer them hope, who share similar experiences, real talk, real life scenarios. So I'm asking every single one of you who listens to this to tell your friends about it, share it on every social media platform only because we need to share the message of real talk. We need to share the message of human compassion. We need to share the message of, you know, put aside the partisan crap and let's, let's be partisan to human life. Let us do the things that make sense, that, that, that let people who are willing to work hard and try and are making their best effort, give them avenues and pathways to success that are not 20 years away. Do really, let's hold government accountable for real change. And I, and I know, you know, I hate to say that. As, as good as that sounded, I hate to say that because in my mind as I'm saying it, it sounds just like someone else on a political campaign who's running for office says, oh, you know, we are going to be here. If we get elected, it's going to be real change. No. And I do believe that there are many young politicians or many new politicians who are passionate about what they want to do. They're passionate about change. 
The problem is that once they become part of the establishment, it's just a matter of time before that whole vision gets clouded. Either because they're enjoying the perks, the power, or because they realize that to give what to get one thing, they have to give ten things. And they so become so obsessed with getting these few accomplishments that what they give up hurts the very people that they were there to help. How much louder do we need to scream to this president and to this 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 government that we need real change? Use your majority or whatever the case may be now to, to if you can't get rid of, do something with student loans, but you got to take this burden off of people. Do something to create a new environment where people can work remotely, have a choice of, okay, you know what? Every two weeks, you have to come into the office at least three days. Even if you said five days, which is when, you know, they could split the, they could split them though. I'll come in Monday this week and Tuesday next week or whatever the case may be. With the understanding that you're not doing that because people want to go hang on a party. You're doing that because you've recognized the value to their personal lives, to their families, the time you've given back for them to spend with their family. You need to understand something. Let's keep, let's make this real and clear. When I get up at five o'clock in the morning to go to work, and I get to work by 8 o'clock or 7.38, whatever the case may be. I leave work at 4 o'clock in the afternoon and get home at 6.30. All those hours that you've taken away from my life, from my family, from everything else, they're gone forever. I don't get them back when I retire. You just stole time from me that you have the power to make changes so that we get back that time. Not get it back in the past, but in the future. If you made that change today, like I know there are a few companies, and I don't want to call names because I, I don't want to get the names mixed up, but there are a few companies I heard on TV and read online that they went 100% remote access permanently. They still need buildings for a certain transaction. They still need buildings for data centers and, and all that stuff. So maybe all businesses can't do that, obviously, and many businesses can't because you need physical interaction. But wherever in your in your in, in city government, in state government, in federal government, in private industry, wherever you have employees that you find that can work remotely, that can produce, and many times they produce above and beyond, and you can make them a happy employee, a happy employee that's a productive employee that you can give them back time in their lives because our names, our, sorry, our time on this planet is limited. If I, if, if, if God said that you were going to, I was going to live just hypothetically 900,000 hours in my life and you keep stealing 20,000 hours every year, You've essentially shortened my life, the time I've had to enjoy my life. And I've spent it on something stupid like traveling back and forth on the, on the subways, risking my life on the dangers of the street. For what? We as people who take our time to go to the polls and vote, we need to make our voices heard louder. Not just through the politicians we elect, because obviously their agenda changes. 
we need to make our voices heard louder by each one of us making a stand. Each one of us showing the politicians where the power lies. The first time we can unite as people and when the election comes, we make it clear before the election who we are in disagreement with and who we are removing. And come election night, all those people lose their jobs. The next set of people who come in are going to take notice. This has to stop. The world can't continue to go in this way and be successful. There are too many people out there punishing too many good people doing the right thing and can't hire a, a, a politician or can't elect a politician to do the same. We'll see what happens in this coming week. I know I have a guest on next week, or a guest recording at least, but we'll see what happens and I'll see whether I have to come back to you with another in the news or we move on to a different topic. But this is an important time in our lives, an important time in history. And I don't want us to just brush over it and go on to the next thing, which is why I'm not just brushing over it and going on to the next guest. I think yesterday I heard that the world surpassed 5 million COVID deaths. For all of us who lost friends and family, loved ones, co-workers, acquaintances, we cannot let their loss of life be in vain. This was a teaching lesson to us as human beings. We cannot go back to the way we were. And after proclaiming to be the most intelligent creatures on this earth, just simply behave and act like we've learned nothing. special thank you as always for the privilege of coming into your homes and in your cars and wherever you listen to me to share my perspective sometimes it's my own sometimes it's with guests but always bringing to you real talk true talk whether you agree with it or not from my heart from the hearts of my guests so we can have real conversations in this life in this nation in this world hopefully to change some things for the better I continue to thank you for supporting this podcast and making it possible. Reminding you, you can listen to this episode or any and every episode of 247 Real Talk on your favorite podcast app. If you'd like to leave me a message, if you'd like to make a comment, if you'd like to be a guest on the show, if you'd like to send me uh, material for you know, more podcasts, things you'd like to hear me discuss, drop me an email at podcast at 247realtalk.net. That's podcast at 247realtalk.net. Until the next time in this crazy world we live in, take care of yourselves and each other.